You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. So we've been in a series about forgiveness recently. And so on this week of the podcast, Lance Lawson, who is the Director of Family Ministries, sat down with Lance and Aaron Boyd to talk about how forgiveness uh, happens within a marriage context. So check it out. All right, Lance and Aaron, thanks for being on the podcast today. It's great to have you guys. And for those people listening or watching that don't go to East 96, where you guys are very well known and well connected, let's introduce you to everyone. So uh, actually, Lance, I know you pretty well, but Aaron, let's start with you because, you know, I know you, but not super well. So uh, you serve as a children's ministry coordinator. Yes. Uh, You're on the finance team at East 96. I am. You have been involved in Go Local efforts at East 96. You have been an adult small group leader. You guys led Mm Re-Engage in the past. And, quote, I was told that for the company you work for, I was told, I think she's kind of a big deal. Yes. Is that true? Yes. Okay. It's we very much I guess that's true. She's yeah. A, she's a big deal. She's actually getting to go to Washington D.C. to meet with what representatives or oh, uh, that is a big deal or yes. something. Okay. And like a big gala thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. What she, I mean, I really don't know what she does. It's she, for multifamily housing. Okay. For affordable housing. For affordable housing. Yes. Well, excellent. Yeah. Glad to have you here. I feel. Thank you. Like maybe you're overqualified. <laughs> 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 I don't think so. I feel that all the time. <laughs> all right. Anything else we need to know? I think you covered it pretty well. Pretty well? Okay. Yeah. Lance, you and I interact at least every summer at Creek Kids Summer Camp. <laughs> Correct. And then uh, over the years in many other ways, but you serve in children's ministry. That's Elementary great. age, you teach large group? Yes. Is that right? What does that entail? Um, that entails uh, learning the plan, uh, you know, reading the plan the night before, kind of getting getting to know what it, what it says. And then at the, the next morning, we're um, actually I set up, I, I set up tech as well. Um, so we get all that set up, and then a lot of times I'll either I'll lead worship or uh, someone else lead worship, and then I teach the lesson. The to Bible what age story. group? Um, that is K three or K five, okay. and then also I do uh, serendipity for the little ones so as well. K three that's code language for kindergarten yes. through third grade <laughs> or kindergarten through fifth grade, right? And right. sometimes I do fourth and fifth as well. Got just, it. Not the same day, but yes, right. all those. And then you get also you guys have led small groups together and yes. re-engaged together and mm-hmm. anything else we need to know before we jump in? No, no, I think that's it. I think that's it. Okay. Well, I am thankful that you took time out of your day to be here. It's always good when we uh, get to share stories and hear from other people because not everyone always wants to hear from us all the time. <laughs> right. There are so many people like you guys in our church that follow Jesus well, and so it's it's cool to hear from you today. So we're in this series about forgiveness, and we're talking about forgiveness, and that gets really personal really quickly for <laughs> most of us when we consider things we've been through and ways we've been hurt. Yep. And so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about forgiveness in marriage today, and let's talk about a little bit uh, about your story. So how did you guys meet? When? Where? What were the circumstances of your meeting? Well, I'll start. So we actually met in high school. So we started a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we went to the same small Christian school. Um, we started dating when I was 16, because my parents didn't allow that until 16. Um, and we dated for, well, over a year. Um, 
in high school, and then Lance graduated, and we broke up then and went our separate ways. Who broke up with who? Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. You yeah. can go ahead. Just let her finish. Just let her finish. <laughs> <clears throat> go ahead. Oh, I don't. I'm not going to. Okay. So um, I'll elaborate a little bit. So uh, I actually had a crush on her for. Uh, I was a junior. She was a freshman. I had a crush on her for about nine months, and nobody knew about it. Okay. We were in the same Latin class. Uh-huh. That, we're dated. That dates us, by the way. Nobody has the Latin anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> so finally, she, I think, figured it out, and um, I was too scared to ask her out. But I finally did, or I finally called her on the phone, and we actually got started dating, but we didn't date. You know, we were on the phone. Um, but when she turned 16, we finally got to go out on a date. We were only like a year apart. but So we dated for a year and eight months exactly. Um, I know this because she broke up with me uh, on, on your eight month year and eight month year twenty eight month, month anniversary. twenty month anniversary. <laughs> You're right. So um, the truth is, uh, actually, I had I was considering because I had graduated and she was doing her thing and I was doing my thing, and she lived in A Leaf because we were at a Christian school that bust people in from okay. far away. I lived in Alvin, and this was really pre Beltway. So like, I drove my little bug to her house like off the six ten loop and wow. stuff. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. So um, we were kind of getting, a, I think we were kind of drifting apart. And I was, um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to break up as well. But when she beat me to it, it crushed me. <laughs> oh. I mean, I didn't, I was crushed. I had songs about her. I had, I didn't oh date anybody for over a year. You wrote songs about no, her? No, I had you... certain songs on the radio that still remind oh, okay, me of her. okay, I got you. Right. So, yeah. Um, I didn't even look at another girl for another year. And uh, so, like, she was all... But I look back on it, and I was like, I was going to do the same thing. Right. But it didn't matter because she, yeah. she beat me to it. I, now that you say all this, I, I'm reminded, you and I have talked about going to small Christian high schools before because yes. I went to a really small high school. That's a crazy experience yes. to mm-hmm. have that as high school. But that's probably another podcast. Right. <laughs> all right. So then you guys dated and broke up. What were the circumstances of you getting back together and then married? So... The story continues 20 years later. Uh, Actually, he has much more detail on this as well. But um, the short of it is we both went and got married to other people, did did our own, you know, did things, whatever, lived our life. um, And both had spouses that ended up um, having affairs and ended up divorced. We separate times, but uh, ended up divorced and ultimately um, were Facebook friends and found each other again and uh, you you want to tell yeah so um it was about i think it was november of 2009 um uh my wife left me for someone else uh for a it was a a short affair but it was a um she was she was leaving and so i filed for divorce in december um and then in april of the next year um aaron who we were i call her uh we're like happy birthday Facebook friends, which okay. is like pretty much that's it. Happy birthday, Aaron, right. once a year. And uh, so she posted like this was the worst day of her life. Oh, my gosh. I hope it's never going to be like this again. And I thought that sounds familiar. Um, and I put a little feeler out there like a Facebook message saying, uh, if you want to talk about it, um, it sounds like you might be going through something I went through. I mean, I was totally trying to you know, yeah. ask her out. And uh, she, it was. It was exactly what happened. And um, we actually went out. Uh, about a week later, and we'll get into that. And uh, I took her to the um, the NFL draft at Buffalo Wild Wings. So, uh, are you a big football fan? I am. Well, okay. This was a yeah. test, so yeah. she passed. Right. Um, and uh, so we went to the NFL draft, 
uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, and then we started dating, and a, what uh, got pretty serious, and then ten months mm-hmm. later we were married. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So, what was it like? Let's let's go back to divorce, recovering from divorce, walking through all that, the pain and mm. heartache, and just the way that blows your life up to a degree. So, uh, what was that experience like for each of you? It does blow your life up. Um, in my case, we did not have children, so I at least didn't have that added complication. Um, but uh, similar situation, uh, my ex-husband met somebody on a gaming app. Um, and when I, I came in from work one day and he said, I'm leaving, and he, and he did. Um, but, you know, you have to go through all of the, like, the practical stuff, the... Um, selling your house and all, you know, that kind of stuff. So we did all that, but um, I'm probably jumping way ahead of myself here, but, you know, it was real easy at the time to just lay it all at his feet. He cheated, so it's your fault. Um, I've since learned that it's not quite that easy. Um, I have have a role to play in there, too, um, just in how I responded to him and and that kind of stuff. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely not an easy process to... What, what was your faith like at the time? So that, you know, I was, it was very weak. It was, um, he was a non-believer and we had been married for 13 years and I allowed him to dictate most of the time what we, how, how I responded to, to God in that sense. You know, I, I didn't go to church a lot and, um, cause he didn't care and stuff like that. So definitely had gotten, um, far away from God. What about you, Lance? So, um, November of 2009, um, I was actually at the time taking my kids to a church in Friendswood because I thought they needed to go to church. You know, like I didn't need to go, of course, but, you know. So you want stupid. your kids to grow up right. and be good people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, often a motivation, yeah. I mean, yeah, and I needed to be there as well. And I think I might have been trying to kind of save um, the marriage. But um, so I found out that um, she had. Uh, had an affair and uh, wasn't any going back. So I filed for divorce um, and I moved out um, at the time. And uh, so anyway, she, we, we got divorced and then for the next four months or so, pretty much just went off the deep end. I did. Uh, I lost 30 pounds. I um, just pretty much went out with anything that I could find and didn't care if they, you know, actually were married or not. Um, I almost broke up another marriage. Uh, it was, it was bad. It was out. There's one story. I, I went and stayed at a friend's house, a, a friend of mine, a buddy. I spent the night, came home the next day because I had I'd been up, I guess, drinking with him. Came home the next day and I had lived in Magnolia Creek at the time and I'd left my front door wide open and I didn't even know it. And it just stayed open all night. And I thought, what am I doing? Like, I've, you know, I just lost it. I'm out of control. And I saw my kids. Um, so I have a, at the time I had a 12 year old daughter, uh, and a 20 month year old son. And I was seeing him maybe two out of every 14 days mm-hmm. and it was killing me. And, but even then I was like, well, I, you know, I wanted my freedom. I thought, um, but I was miserable. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was the darkest, easily the darkest period of my life. Yeah. So you guys have both been through that, and I didn't prepare you for this question, but we don't often have an opportunity to speak to somebody who may be in that, 
like specific circumstance, but I mean, you guys have been in in those dark days. If if somebody's watching or listening, what would you say to them that that would encourage them in a hopeful way? Oh, I'll go. Um, yeah. You know, Romans eight twenty eight. I mean, God God takes the junk of your life the awful, the lowest parts, and he can make that stuff for good. So at the time, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a do-it-yourself guy. I'm a I-can-handle-it guy. And so I didn't, you know, I've always like been, oh, you know, I, I'll pray maybe or occasionally or ask God for this or that, but I wasn't big on that. Well, I needed God at that point. I mean, I really yeah. needed God, and I cried out hard and uh, over and over. I didn't know, I, 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 was, I didn't have any control. I had no control over this, and I just cried out to God. And, I mean, honestly, took that awful mess of a situation and really turned it for good because, you know, I'm not saying what happened was right or correct or whatever, but it took that nasty, horrible situation and turned it to what we have now. And so no matter how bad it gets, no matter, you know, where you are at that point, um, God can take that, you know, just— realize that God is uh, there for you and that's he can take all that junk and turn it to something amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, God, there's always hope. God wants to do that. He does. He mm-hmm. wants to get in the middle of your mess and and walk with you and change your perspective and your circumstances and ultimately yeah. walk with you through and, all and that. And it, you know, then you can tell the story and give him the glory. Yeah. Well, you know, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh so you guys have helped lead Reengage in the past. Reengage, for those that aren't familiar, is a marriage class that we do a couple of times a year here at Clear Creek, and uh, it's based on a curriculum that comes from a church called Watermark in Dallas. Uh, but they have two chapters where we focus one whole week on forgiveness, and I really like the definition in their book uh, of forgiveness. It said that at its most basic level, forgiveness is the decision to pardon an offense and give up the right to be repaid. So how's that definition of forgiveness strike you guys? Well, I love it. And honestly, like I thought reengage was one of the best things we've we've done. It's it's a fabulous program. Um, As a matter of fact, we've done it twice now because we did it with our small group after um, we did it with you. So uh, I think the, I think the hardest part of that definition is the give up the repaid part. You know, we all like it hurts our sense of justice to feel like we're not going to, you know, get get paid back or or get compensation or whatever you want to call it for, for yeah. offenses. Lance, do you have any? Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, I just think it's important to know what that looks like. What does that look like? What is, you know, um, the decision to pardon an offense and give up the right to repay? What, what, what does that look like? And I think we're actually going to go through a little bit of that. Yeah, let's do that. So, I mean, it starts with it's a decision, mm-hmm. not a feeling. Right. When so often when we're responding to something, it's it's based on how we feel about it. And is it easy to feel like forgiving someone? No, and I think you almost never do. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the real answer, right? Yep. Um, but, you, you know, you do have to just kind of work through that and get to the, you know, I, honestly, I don't know how a non-Christian does that. How do you get there? Because... You know, when I thought through that question, I thought, um, you know, the thing I think about is that God forgave me, and and I've I've done plenty of things in my life that I'm not proud of, and and He has washed that all away. So, 
when I'm thinking about, am I going to forgive somebody else? I'm thinking about that. Yeah. And, and if you don't have that kind of foundation, I don't know what you lean on. Or what your motivation would even be. be yeah. yeah. Why, why would you? Because, you know, I think a lot of people out in the world feel like they're owed right. something. And, and we're just not. I mean, God never promised that. So uh, how, did, how did forgiveness look like for each of you guys after divorce? And I'm sure it wasn't something that happened quickly. Maybe it was, but like, talk us through that. What, what did it look like? I'll go. Um, yeah, it wasn't quickly. But, you know, the more, um, first of all, I wanted to go back a little bit. I, uh, <laughs> I don't want anybody to think that she was to blame on this because we were both. I yeah. was I was going to my friend's house a lot. I was hanging out. I wasn't home. If I was home, I was not engaged. I wasn't there. I wasn't a good father. I wasn't a good husband. Um, very much so. So it, it took me a while to realize that. At the time, of course, you know, I didn't. But later on, I've I've looked back and definitely. Um, but for me, it really wasn't until so we got plugged in to Clear Creek. Uh, and I was going to tell it was like the whole it was Holy Spirit like so, uh, we both knew we needed to go to church. Right. Uh, I think this is this was it, it took me till like maybe today to realize that maybe all those crying out to God moments, um, the answer to those prayers is when we had this conversation, which was where do you want to go to church? So uh, she had a church that she had in mind, and I also had one, which was the Internet Church ClearCreek.org, and um, <laughs> so uh, we started going and we never left. And but what I you know, growing up, you know, I heard the gospel, but I didn't hear it like I heard it here. I'm not saying this place is special or any different, but I heard it for the first time. I actually heard grace for the first time. And the more I went to church and the more I got in community, the more I realized how big God was and how much of a wretch I was and how much of a sinner I was. And really, I was no different than my ex-wife uh, in that at all. Yeah. And so the more I realized that I had this undeserving forgiveness and grace from God, the more that I realized I could do the same. Because how can I judge her when he has forgiven me, not just for the sins that I've done, and the junk that I've done, but he's forgiven me forever. And I can't forgive her. So the answer to the question about it being linear, um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that linear. I don't know if like I go, I went like, I'm going to forgive her, and then I changed my feeling. I just think I started to f- forgive her over time, not even really trying to forgive her. It just started happening because I realized she's no different than I am, and um, it just started happening. And so my feelings did change towards her because of that. Um, and then, yeah, so, I mean, it, it took probably two or three years, but over those two or three years, I kind of woke up one day and went, you know, and I, I think she has forgiven me too, but yeah. So it, it took a little time, but yeah, I, yeah. I did forgive her. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Yeah, you know, it was one of those things. I think when when everything first happened, you just kind of move on and you don't really think about it. But we started coming to church, and um, we actually joined a small group. Right. My story, I guess, is a little long. I'm going to jump jump ahead a little bit just to get to this point. Yeah. But we joined a small group and over time became um, more involved and decided we wanted to lead a small group. So we started um, the navigator and training process. And we met with Carl Garcia. Yep. And we sat down in Carl's office and he asked us our story and we told him a lot of this. And at the end of it, he said, well, have you asked him for forgiveness? 
and, and then he said, and then he said, have you forgiven yourself? And I thought, forgive myself for what? <laughs> and, but, but that, you know, that started me down the road of, of thinking about kind of like Lance said, you know, uh, while he did what he did, I wasn't present. I wasn't, um, I certainly didn't make any effort to stop what was happening. So, you know, as I started thinking about that and, and you, you know, you start, um, you start internalizing, um, the grace that God gives us, you start, you know, I started realizing that, like Lance said, I was not only just as to blame, but just as much a sinner. Yep. So I, I, you know, at that point I thought that now it's just time to let it go. And honestly, we never did have any kind of conversation between my ex-husband and I, but, um, but I just, you know, I decided I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I don't wish him any ill or anything like that, right. you know. So uh, I think you just kind of get there that way. Okay. Um, so what would you say to a person who, whether it's through marriage or brokenness that comes out of a broken marriage or any other situation, who, who feels like God is working on their heart to, for, to work toward forgiveness but doesn't feel like it yet? Like what kind of encouragement or motivation or nudge would you give that person? <laughs> Oh man, it's hard. That's hard because the we we base a lot of what we do on our feelings. So you really have to put that to the side and really. I mean, first and foremost, I think is prayer. And um, I think one of the things Lance and I have done is is we include all of those people on our top five, um, the ones that we know, you know, or at least we we feel like maybe don't know Jesus. So um, so we pray for them regularly, um, and I think that. It makes such a huge difference. Um, right. Well, yeah. And again, focus on the gospel. Focus on how 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 much of a sinner you are and what you didn't deserve that, that God did for you. And, you know, if you do that, you'll look at them. I think the more you focus on that, the more you'll see them in a different light and see what what whatever was done to you um, as 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 not as big as what you've done, you know, as all the sin that you've done. Right. So. That's week one in this series, yeah. the parable of the servant who's called before the king, right. forgiven right. this insane debt, and then goes out and won't forgive someone who owns, owes exactly. that, that guy exactly. less. Like, yeah, right. that's good. I think the other thing, too, is really to lean into your community. I mean, like, there oh, yeah. are so many godly men and women in this church that would love to jump in and help, you know, yeah. and... and I mean, Lance and I have helped, you know, talk some cu couples through sometimes some hard times because that's, you know, we've all been through it. And, and I think if you can get another perspective and bring other people in, you know, where, where it's appropriate, that it's a huge help. Yeah. All okay. right. Uh, so in the first sermon, part of defining forgiveness was talking about what it isn't. We said forgiveness isn't forgiving and forgetting. It isn't tolerating further wrongdoing. It isn't dismissing justice. You mentioned that a little bit ago. <laughs> and it isn't reconciliation. So what, what kind of reflections do you guys have on on what forgiveness isn't? But sometimes gets confused. Those things get wrapped up in forgiveness or confused right. with forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So like, Yeah, forgive and forget. Right. Yeah. That's not right. But I will say it isn't forgive and forget. But I will say that forgiving does, over time help you 
not bring that. It doesn't come to the forefront of your mind. Right. Yes, you're not going to put yourself in a situation that might have you get burned again or, you know, but, like, you start forgetting. I, I forget that, you know, we had issues with my ex-wife and we, we, we had divorce. I think of her as just as uh, my kid's mom, and we're all friends yeah. now. So I, it does, over time, um, with forgiveness, does, I think it lessens the, yeah. all of that. Yeah, and I mean, I I was really glad to hear all of that emphasized. I don't I don't know what sermon's out, but we were at East ninety six, so Aaron did a really great job. It's all the of, same now. It, yeah, it's all oh, the same. Okay. We have the same sermon everywhere. Yeah. Just oh, excellent! Different people delivering that was, it. That was my idea, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I thought it was really gr- great that he emphasized all of that so well because I think people feel like if you forgive, you know, like then you have to tolerate it if if somebody does mm. something else again to you, you know, right. and and it doesn't mean that, and and it's sometimes hard to set those boundaries, but. Um, you know, once you start practicing it, you start getting a feel for for what that looks like for you. So, yeah. all right. So, how have your previous experiences set the tone for your marriage today? So, you guys have been married how long? Like eleven years. Eleven, 11 years. years. Eleven years. Okay. So, um, how has what you've been through in the past shaped the way your marriage began, and then how you continue to interact with one another as you've as you've learned more? about how to live with one another? Well, I think, um, I think the fir- first and foremost, the, we talked about this before we ever, when we got engaged, was we knew God had to be a part of our marriage. He was not a part of our previous marriages, um, right. both of which ended in disaster. So, uh, so we knew right from the get-go that that needed to be um, the heart of our marriage. And, and we've worked, I think, really hard to do that. Um, and then, you know, over time, as we've gotten deeper into that, we've, we've, you know, we've been in small groups. We're with, we're like we've talked about, we're with good people, and right. I think you just yeah. keep, um, you keep building on that. Um, I, mine's similar. Um, you know, I wasn't home. I, I was telling you, I was kind of away, or at least not present. We spend a lot of time together. We mm-hmm. we do. I mean, we're best friends. So you're who I want to be with. <laughs> Uh, you know, so I mean, I do have other friends, but I mean, we do spend a lot of time together. Um, we fight, but we don't fight a lot. But if we do fight, we forgive very quickly. Now, I don't, I don't think everybody's wired exactly that way, but I do think that, like, we don't. I can't. I don't remember one time. Maybe we went to bed where we were still mad at each other in eleven years. So, I mean, if we do have something, you know, something that upsets us. We get it out. We forgive each other yeah. very much, very a lot quicker than any time before. Um, and then also, like, um, like the whole personality profiling that we used to do. Like, I learned. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know people could actually be different than you and not be weird. Like, you know, that's <laughs> that, that that's actual personality. So learning about her personality, what makes her tick, her love language, stuff like that. Uh, knowing that that's that sh- that what makes her different makes her compatible with me. Um, has been huge too, as well, yeah. mm-hmm. and of yeah, course I community. I mean, yeah. to me, that small group is massive. Mm-hmm. You know, being being able to um, be around other men who treat their wives like godly men should, yeah, uh, is fantastic. You know, we there, you will never hear a, a word about anybody's wife. You know, and you know better. Don't, you better not say anything about anybody else's wife either. I mean, yeah. these guys. You know, so it's something I didn't grow up with, and it's something I didn't I didn't have modeled for me really, or even 
uh, during my first marriage. So being around other men like that has been great as well. So what do you say to the person who who would like that sounds good, but in their mind they're thinking, but I don't have my life together like all those people in oh. this small group. Do. Like, <laughs> so like yeah, that sounds good when everybody's perfect, but I'm not perfect. Yeah, uh, we're not perfect. Not okay. even close. Not even close. Um, that's the thing. So the the, the closer. You know, the more that we go to church, the more we hear the gospel, which is every Sunday, um, the more I realize how imperfect I am and how much I screw up. And I screw up a lot. And she shows me a lot more grace. I think we could say this for a fact that she shows me a lot more grace than I show her. She, she's not perfect. She's closer, though, I'd say a little <laughs> bit than I am. But no, like we are, I mean, we're sinners just like everybody else. We do stuff we shouldn't do. We gossip and we shouldn't do it. We, you know, we ask for forgiveness all the time. So, yeah, we're definitely not perfect. Not at all. Yeah, and nor are the people in the small group oh, that, you're, oh, that oh, you're with, right? Yes, so, correct. Yeah, so you're sharing your life with other people. Yeah. And while, while it's good to be around other Christian men, other Christian women, other couples, and see how they live their life, like small group is not the place where perfect people go, continue oh, yeah. to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump in because um, when we, I, she wanted to join a small group right away when we went to Clear Week, and I'm like, no, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. We've got to get better. We've got to do better. We have to be better Christians before we join a small group. No. And then when you join a small group, you realize, oh, everybody's just as messed up as we are. Right. I mean, and they are. And that's what's great because you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, all these high pedestal people, you actually see people on stage and you're right. like, well, they must really have it all together. No, they're just as messed up as yeah, we we're, are. We're, we're just as messed up yes. as all, everyone else. Oh, else's. I know yes. you are. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know that you know that I am. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's that was great to see that not these people aren't perfect because that's what I thought we'd walk into. Right. Us, we're all messed up and everybody else is perfect. Yeah. That's not the case at all. That's not the case. Not at all. So if, if you're listening or watching and you, f- you feel that or that's a, a hurdle Ooh. keeping you, man, it's jump the opposite. in with both Yeah. The opposite. In it's, fact, I don't think I knew couples as well as I knew couples, you know, my entire life. I didn't know couples up until we joined a small group well enough to know that they were messed up. Right. So, I mean, I finally got to know people and realized everybody has baggage. Right. Everybody. And there's, for me, something refreshing about uh, sharing my life mm-hmm. so closely with other people that that I know that they're not perfect and I see their imperfections, mm-hmm. but then I see them f- try to follow Jesus yes. in the midst of it. And work all that out, and it's man, it's good for my soul. It's oh, yeah. motivating for me to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, that's awesome. We can conclude the small group commercial <laughs> segment wow. of this podcast know, right? and uh, and move on. Uh, so you guys uh, alluded to a little bit of this, but you know, your marriage isn't perfect today. So let's talk a little more practically. Like, how have you learned to walk in forgiveness and grace toward one another? Uh, and so, what does that look like today? Um, you know, we took a lot, I, honestly, we took a lot of that, I think, from re-engage, probably, but, you know, because you talk a lot about um, how to how to live day to day and just, you know, there's, everybody has little things that can irritate you and sometimes the, the answer is you just have to let that go. You just, you just, and, and that doesn't mean you have to have a discussion about it or yeah. anything like that. You just say, you know, I'm not going to worry about that and I'm... And and it is. It's just a a grace, I guess. You just you know you you. Sometimes I do for him. Sometimes he does for me. And we kind of you know you know. I know when his work's overwhelming. He knows when I'm feeling stressed. So you try to take the load a little bit when when that happens. You know, and and maybe you make dinner or you unload the dishwasher, whatever it is, and and just try to 
make things a little easier so that we're not getting into that bickering stage. Right. You know? That's perfect. That's exactly what I said. We should have compared notes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we try to let the unimportant things go. You know, the, the stuff that's, that people start bickering about that really is not important. Right. I think that's, that's key. Yeah. Uh, you've referenced re-engage. We've talked about that a little bit. One of the things I so appreciate about that curriculum is from page one, it's all about how you focus on you. Right. And mm-hmm. so you're bringing junk and mess to the marriage, and it's your responsibility to to grow, to to get past all that, but then to to live in grace toward your spouse. And so mm-hmm. you can only control you. Right. Yeah, man. I agree. That's good stuff. That is good. Okay. Uh, is there any advice you get, give to someone who's listening or watching who feels like, man, they're getting to the end of things in their marriage, they're struggling, they don't know where to turn, what to do, and the idea of forgiveness would almost seem absurd? You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. Um, I had like four little things here. Um, my first thing was somebody told me this years ago. Um, this is a real practical thing. Don't move out. Don't don't separate. It's tough to get back together once you do that. Um, it's a, it's so much easier if you can work it out at home together. Um, and don't base that decision uh, to get divorced on how you feel at that moment because feelings are very fleeting. Yeah, and um, and they can they can go away quickly. Uh, it it actually kind of happened in 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 our marriage. Um, that relationship didn't last and. Um, so uh, within a month, it was, it was already too late. So, um, but then also think about what, think about the consequences. Like think about the kids. Uh, I don't think kids fully recover from divorces parent. You know, they can cope. Kids are great, but it's very difficult to completely come out unscathed from a, a uh, when your parents divorce. It's so hard. Um, and so just think about all the th- situations that, that could come up because of this decision. Um, can, I, can I interrupt you and yes. jump in and ask some ask sure. a, a follow-up question to that? Yeah. Well, what would you say to the people who are just sticking it out for the kids? Because right. it will affect them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're just sticking it out, and then once the kids go... Yes. No, that's not good either. And that's maybe could be just as bad. Um yeah, get it. Like that's the last thing. So get in, get into a gospel centric church and get into community. I don't. You're not going to fix this on your own. You're yep. just not going to fix this on your own. You're not. You know, you can go to counseling and that could help, um, and that probably maybe could fix it. But I would go to a, a, a Christian counselor. But get into a gospel centric church and get into community. If if it's this church, whatever. Um, you know, get into community with people that have the same struggles that you do, and they can walk you through this. I have. I have friends that have been through way more, way more than either one of us went through, way more. And, they're, and they've come out on the other side, you know, amazing, you know. Yeah. So it's not ever too late. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you're in an abusive relationship. That's something maybe a little bit different. But, um, yeah, if, it's never too late. There, I, I know stories of people that you would never believe had, could recover from infidelity and, and big issues, major issues, and, and they have. And it was only because of, of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. But get, get, into a, get into a church, get into community, get into a small group, and, um, 
and work on, you know, and I think you can work it out. I really do. I've seen amazing things happen. Yeah. Marriage is worth saving. Right. right? Mm-hmm. It, it really, really is. Yeah. You touched on uh, abuse real quick. And so if you're listening and that's, that's you, you can relate to uh, physical or sexual abuse in any way. We're not saying stay there. No. Uh, what you need to hear is get safe and, and then get people around you to figure out what to do next. So. Right. Don't continue to endure abuse. We we talked about that in week one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Correct. All right. Um, did you have any anything to add to that, or you just want to rubber stamp lances? I think I, think I can just rubber stamp. Rubber this. stamp. That's yes. good. Okay. Last yes. question for you. Uh, what advice would you give to a younger couple? Think back. Those you know after you make it past the first year or two when you figured out how to live with another person mm. and all of that. But then, like, you, you kind of hit a stride, but then those maybe, like, three to six, three to eight years, uh, what do you say to that couple who maybe they have kids thrown in the mix, mm-hmm. maybe work is different, you start changing as you mature? Uh, so how can, how can they set themselves up for a type of love that endures and, and walk in grace? I think the... F- First thing is you have to keep God in the center of your marriage and you have to keep your priorities straight. You know, we, I think it's even been said at church before, but you know, you, God has to be at the top, then your spouse, then your children. Right. And I think a lot of times, particularly that spouse child that gets flipped and, and you, you know, you end up realizing that you're spending all your time driving your kids places or going to kid things or what. So you have to you know, make time for each other. Um, date night, whatever that looks like for, you know, sometimes it's just watching a movie at home, but, um, but you do, you have to spend the time and, and really put the effort in. It's, it's not effortless. It's, it takes a lot of work. A lot of work. Don't sweat the small stuff. I mean, they're sinners just like you are. They're going to screw up just like you will. The little stuff just, it it doesn't matter. I mean, show them a lot of grace because you've been showed a lot of grace. It's, uh, you know, there's little things that I don't even know that they even annoy me anymore. But like, there's things that I do, I know that have to annoy you. Some, <laughs> no, I mean, yes, I know this for a fact. But I mean, yeah. did you, you let a lot, of, you let it go. I mean, you do, you let them go. You really do. It's it's amazing. I know you're, you've got to be thinking, oh my god, again. But like, she does. So we don't, we don't, we don't get upset about the little things, the stuff that doesn't matter. Um, communicate, uh, show interest. Like we talk. Like I'm always asking her about her work. She tells me all these like forms, TPSP, 3P4, whatever. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But I show, and I'm interested. And I'm, we always talk about her, the people that she works with and all this stuff. So, you know, I show interest in her job. I show interest in, you know, the things she does, her friends, um, what they're doing, you know, and whatever. So mm-hmm. she shows interest in what I'm doing, what Seth is doing. Um, we just, we communicate. We, we do a pretty good job of that, I think. I yeah. think we do. Um, and then, of course, I'll say it one more time, get into a small group. <laughs> get into a small group. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing what can happen. I have, we've known couples that got into small group and were kind of not great. They weren't great, you know, and they were young. A lot of them, we, we, we had some young couples, like 23, 24-year-old couples. And I think they got married and went, oh, boy, you know, two years in. Oh, boy, here we go. And... Um, after being in community and small group with them and then going to church, they've come out on the other side and they're healthy. They're seven, eight years in, nine years in, and they're, they're doing well. Right. So small group. Yeah. So you talk about being in community and 
putting God first, like those things begin to sound cliche, I think. I know. They do. If I agree. you're around church or you, you know, you just hear that and you you want to roll your eyes at it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've I mean, I think we would say we've lived it and we've seen enough people who have lived it to say that like, no, these things matter. Having God in the center of your marriage is mm-hmm. a game changer. Right. It's a game changer because you see yourself differently, you mm-hmm. see your spouse differently. Right. When you know his grace, you can give his grace. Yeah. And then And we don't do that perfectly. I mean no. we've we've, yeah. we've gone through times, you know, where you know, you go through the week and realize you haven't opened your Bible or what, you know. So, I mean, we go through those periods and, and you just... I don't want you to just, a small group tonight. You know, right, right, yeah. But you just jump back in and, and you keep going because it does make a difference. And you're right, it does sound cliche, but I, I really think it, it's so important and, and it does matter. The best times to go to small group are the times I don't want to go to small That's group. Right. Have you ever noticed that? That's oh, right. yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I don't want to go to small group tonight. Yeah. I'm not going. And then I go and I'm like, oh, so and Driving so home and you're like, gosh, I'm I really so glad I went that. to small group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Every so time. last thing, and I didn't, I didn't prepare you with this question, but I mean, I think one of the things that I'm just reminded of in our conversation is how much marriage matters. Uh, that that when you're in it, it's worth saving. It's worth pursuing a healthy one. Uh, so, what what would you say to someone who who's thinking like, man, I don't know. I know we've already addressed it a little bit, but they're like, I, I could do without this. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, I don't. I can't imagine not you not being in my life at all. I can't. That doesn't even compute. Um, I need someone to, you know, set me straight or to be the, um, the, the rock when I'm the flighty one or, you know, so find someone that compliments you probably means that they're going to be maybe opposite of you. Um, if you're outgoing and, and they're probably, they might be quiet. And if you're like, whatever, they might be a little bit more, you know, like a red or like a bit more demonstrative, find those. I mean, those, those are the ones that they can complete you because, you know, God designed us to um, to be, you know, to kind of model what it looks like, right, from um, Jesus and the church, right? Yeah. We're kind of a model of that. And uh, I, I can't imagine, I can't even possibly imagine not, not being with Aaron. Yeah. That, that's what uh, I, I think about the way Danya loves me helps me to know God's grace and God's love better than I, I would True. without her. Right. And so, yeah, th- I mean... Ideally, that's what we hope everybody listening could get to a place in their marriage where they're like, yeah, I know God better because of my spouse. That is true. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for taking time out of your day, being here, sharing your story. It's a good gift to our church. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.